going to be in Psalm 135 tonight and probably for the rest of the year in on Wednesday nights, I think, depending on how things go. I, uh, I played basketball in school, but I wasn't very good. In fact, I was not, I was less than very good. I was actually pretty terrible overall. The only aspect of basketball I was good at was fouling people. Um, and apparently that's the part of basketball you're not actually supposed to be good at. But the result of my lack of basketball skills was that when we kind of sized up and said, okay, you're the captain and you're the captain pick teams, typically I was the guy that was picked last. And you could see, I mean, it was visible disappointment on the like on the side of the face of the team that got saddled with me. And, and I didn't blame them. If I was a team captain, I would have picked me last. And if I'd ended up with me, I would have felt sorry for the team as well. I, I always understood it. I was not very good. You know, when we pick teams, the way we do it is you typically pick the best first, right? And then you get to the scrubs, those who are left over that nobody else wants. And we think about, if we're not careful, we can take that mindset because that makes sense to us. We want to win the game, so we pick the best. If we're not careful, we can take that sort of mindset and we can bring it to how God picks his team. Because we look at people, we look at, say, Billy Graham, and we go, well, yeah, obviously we can see why God would pick Billy Graham. Or we look at Rick Warren, and we can say, yeah, I can see why God would pick Rick Warren or Tim Tebow or, or, or some of these others that are famous or have built large ministries or written books and things along those lines. And we can say, yes, okay, I can see why God would pick them. And we tend to think that maybe what God does is he does what we do. He picks these superstars, and then when all else is left, he gets to us. right? And so it's like, well, I guess I will take them on, on my team. And we begin, if we take that mindset, if we embrace it, we begin to think we're, we're a backup. We're less than. We are second class in the kingdom of God. We're the scrubs. Right? There's the, the superstars in the kingdom, and then there's you know the, the middle players, but then there's the scrubs, and that's the ordinary people right down in the trenches here like where we are. And I'm convinced this mindset is one of the reasons we often live discouraged, disillusioned, maybe even defeated in our lives. Because we don't understand how God picks or why God has picked us. And if we think we are the scrubs, if we think we're the last pick, then we just feel that there will be often a very real sense of defeat in our lives. right? Because me being picked last, it never made me feel special. I never felt I was particularly, all right, I'm on that team. It, it was just, fine, whatever. Um, and I, I didn't even really want to play. All things being equal, I would not have played. And so that can be our mindset when it comes to this. Well, God picked everybody else and well I was there so he had to take me I don't really want to do anything because I'm not good I'm going to embarrass the team I'm going to make things look bad so what I want to do tonight and for the rest of the month through this chapter is is challenge the mindset of being picked last challenge the mindset of how God picks his team by reminding us of some very important and very powerful truths that I I pray will inspire us and encourage us to be all Jesus has saved us to be. So open your Bible to Psalm 135. And we're going to look at the first six verses. And that should be on page 474 in your pew Bibles. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm 135, verse 1. 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O ye servants of the Lord. Ye that stand in the house of the Lord in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto His name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto Himself and Israel for His peculiar treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord hath pleased, that He did in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all the deep Places. Title of the message tonight is simply Chosen. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We praise you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather, to study your word, to better understand who you are and what you're like. And Father, what it means for us to be chosen by you. Father, it, it is easy for us to have a negative view of ourselves uh, particularly often as it relates to serving you and, and doing the kingdom work, because we're very aware of our sin. We're very aware of our shortcomings. And, and we can, if we're not careful, we can feel that we are second class, that we are the scrubs on your team. So tonight, take the word that we're going to look at and strengthen us. Take the word we're going to look at tonight and encourage us and remind us. Remind us we have been chosen by you for your glory. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We need you tonight to encourage us and to strengthen us. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the psalm opens by calling on us to praise God. It is a call for the people of God to worship God and fully devote themselves to God. Now, the call to worship God is primarily based on the greatness of God. The idea is God is worthy of worship because of who He is and what He's done. The psalmist actually spends the majority of the time telling us um, what God has done to demonstrate, or who God is and what God has done to demonstrate to us His greatness. Right? God's greatness, according to the psalm, is seen in verse 5 and 6, and God can do whatever He wants to do. I know that the Lord is great. And that our Lord is above all gods, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that He did. In heaven, the earth, the seas, and the deep places. Right? It's just a picture. God can do anything He wants to do, and no one can stop Him. Like God's greatness is seen in His controlling the elements. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning and the rain, and He brings wind out of His treasuries. Right, so God, His greatness is seen in the fact he, he controls the weather and the elements of the world that we live in. God's greatness is seen in His delivering Israel from Egypt. He smote the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast, who sent tokens of wonders in the midst of the O Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon his servants. So all that we read about in the Exodus that led Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land, all of that was a sign of God's greatness, a demonstration. God's greatness is seen in his conquering nations for Israel, who smote great nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land for a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his people. Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, through all generations. God's greatness is seen in the fact that he is greater than all of the other gods who exist. In fact, they are not gods at all. Verse 14 through 18 says, The idols of the heathen are silver, gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes, but they see not. Ears, but they hear not. Neither is any breath in their mouths. They, 
They, they that make them are like them, so is everyone that trusteth in them. And, and the picture there is God is, the greatness of God is seen that He is really the only God. One of the, the, the ideas of idol that's often used, particularly in the Psalms, the word is used as idol, it pictures something that is nothing. Right? So God is saying, what, what the author is saying is, the idols are nothing. The other nations worship nothing. They're silver and gold. They're, they're nothing else. Sure, they make eyes, but they don't see. They make mouths, but they don't speak. They make ears, but they can't hear. The greatness of God is seen, and that He will judge the people. Verse 14, for the Lord will judge His people. He will repent Himself concerning His servants. And the psalm ends the way it begins. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. Ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord out of Zion, which dwelleth at Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. God is awesome. God is great. God is worthy of our worship, so we should praise Him. Now, another reason they were to praise the Lord is found in verse 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob for himself and Israel as his peculiar treasure. Right? They were to praise God because God had chosen them for himself. God had chosen them as his distinct people. Among all the people of the earth, God chose to know Israel in a unique way. Now the idea of God had chosen them as His peculiar treasure doesn't mean that they were meant to be weird. It meant that they were particular. God particularly, exclusively chose them. He made an intentional choice to choose Israel to be His distinct people above all the other peoples on the face of the earth. Now, Psalm 135 was the psalm I was praying through yesterday. And the idea of being chosen by God really stuck in my head through my prayer. The reality of God choosing us to be His particular treasure, it's amazing. It's encouraging. It should embolden us in every aspect of our service and our devotion to Jesus. Now, some would say, well, sure, but this is Old Testament Israel. It's not the New Testament. God chose Israel, but that's Old Testament. But when we get to the New Testament, the idea of being specially chosen by God is seen there as well. And it applies to those of us who are believers. Look at what it says in First or Second Thessalonians. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren and beloved of the Lord, because... God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Thessalonian believers were some of the very first Gentiles converted to Christianity. According to Paul, this wasn't accidental. This wasn't just the way it worked out. This was God's choice. God had chosen them for this great privilege. And really what he's saying is everything about their salvation, the salvation of the people of Thessalonica, it was God's idea. But it wouldn't just be everything about the salvation of the people of the Thessalonica. It would be about all of us. Everything about our salvation was all God's idea. It was God's idea for Jesus to come and die for the sins of mankind. It was God's idea for salvation to come by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
It was God's idea for Paul to go to Thessalonica. It was God's idea for Wade T. Jernigan to come to Guymon, Oklahoma. It was God's idea for them to be saved. It was God's idea. Nothing about their salvation. Nothing about what they had experienced in their salvation was their idea. It was all God's. Now, not only was it all God's idea, it was God who called them, right? So God had, from the beginning, chosen you. He called them to salvation. So God not only sent Paul there, it was his idea to come up with the plan of salvation and send Paul there. God then worked through Paul's ministry and he began to call them, actively call them to himself through the preaching of the gospel. And since God had made came up with this idea, since God had sent Paul, since God had chosen them and had called them, he would he who began the work would complete it to the obtaining of the glory. What he basically is saying is God called you and he's not going to give up on you. Thessalonians were troubled through false doctrine, through issues they were going with, and what Paul is saying is God is not going to give up on you. God started this work. God is doing this work. And one day when Jesus comes back, God will complete this work. But he is at work in you now. Now, what was true of them then is also true of us now. God actively chose to save us. Paul says it this way in Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. According as he hath chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children. By Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. So from this. I can say. God chose me. Before the foundation of the world. He predestined me to be holy and without blame before him through Jesus Christ. He determined to adopt me as his child. And that brought him great pleasure. But it's not just me. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were predestined to be holy and without blame before God in love. God planned to adopt you as his child. And this plan brought him great joy. But notice, I I like before the foundation of the world. So think about how great this is. We could go back to Genesis 1-1 in the beginning. Before, Before that, before that occurred, you and I were already part of God's plan. You and I were already in God's mind. He already knew He was going to create us. He knew He was going to save us. We were always a part of God's plan. You and I, individually, specifically, were part of this plan. God's plan to redeem the world and accomplish His will has always included you and I. Not just you and I in a general sense, but you and I individually. You were a part of His plan. I was a part of His plan. Now, part of all this means that it was, again, it was all God's idea. Nothing about our redemption was our plan or our idea. Everything 
was God's plan. God planned for Jesus to come die on the cross for our sins. God planned on redeeming us through faith in Jesus' sacrificial death and His victorious resurrection. And He planned to adopt us as His own children. This was all God's plan. And this plan, seeing it come to pass, brought Him great pleasure. I just think about that for a second. Brought Him great pleasure. You know, God didn't save us because he, quote unquote, had to. You know, we prayed the prayer so he was trapped and he had to. Okay, I guess I'll save him. No, no. No, that wasn't the way it was. He planned it. He initiated it. He called for it. And when it came to fruition and we were saved, God was pleased. He was happy. He was ecstatic. He was he experienced the pleasure of his will being fulfilled in our lives. Now, to fulfill his plan of adopting us, God called us through the gospel. Right? So we heard the good news of great joy. A Savior had come. And in a moment, we began to realize that meant us. We began to realize we were the ones for whom Christ died. We began to realize we we're sinners and we needed a savior. And we responded and we came to the, we came and we cried out to Christ and we were saved. But again, all of this, all of this was of God. Right? We think about it. How many times did you hear the gospel before you turned to Jesus and were saved? I, I grew up in free will Baptist churches. I have always heard the gospel. I was 19 when I was saved. So for 19 years, I heard the gospel preached. But then one night, there was something different and I felt compelled to respond. All the other times, most of the other times, not all, most of the other times, I didn't even think it was talking about me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't want to go to hell, you understand. I grew up in church, knew about hell, didn't want to go to hell. But it never really occurred to me Jesus died for me, that I had done bad things and I deserved hell. It never occurred to me that it was my fault, that it was that I had any responsibility in what had happened. And probably you didn't either. You went through a period of time where you, you didn't want to go to hell if you were raised in church, but you didn't really grasp all that it was for you. And that it was because of you. And that you needed the salvation that the preacher was hollering about. So what changed? What happened? That made it all click for me. What happened that made it all click for you? No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up in the last day. That's what happened. God reached out and initiated contact with us. There was a particular moment in time when God reached out through the preaching of the gospel. And he began to deal in our hearts. To call us unto himself. To say, this is for you. Right? Because there's no way we would have come had that not happened. No one who is saved under figures it out on their own. Right? It's not that we never understood it and on that day our minds finally worked it out. And we understood and so we did it. No, no, we didn't do it. 
We didn't just sit at home one day and think, you know what, I bet I need God and I bet I need the Jesus that local church is talking about. I'm going to go and get saved. No, that's not what happened. Our desire for God, it originated in God Himself and His desire for us. He reached out to us. He called us to Himself. When the Holy Spirit calls us through the Gospel, He is inviting us to come to God through faith in Jesus and receive all God has promised. Now, this is all really, really good news. God originated this, but here's where it gets better. We often think of it as whosoever will, right? The, the great gospel call, whosoever will, and we heard we were a whosoever will, and so we came. And that's true. There is a general call called out to whosoever will. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now that's, that's everyone. If you're labor and you're heavy laden, you need rest for your souls, Jesus has come to me. Jesus would say in, in the Gospel of John, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. Whosoever will. This is a wondrous truth. Whosoever will is invited. He invites all to turn from their sins and to turn to Him, receive His mercy and grace. And this, this is a wonderful truth. It is a comforting truth to know whosoever will. But there is something better. And that is when God reached out to you and I, He didn't say whosoever will and we heard it. He called us by name. But now saith the Lord who created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. To be sure, there is a broad invitation to whosoever will. But he also calls us by name. See, God deals with us by and large as individuals. Not so much as a group. And since He deals with us as individuals, He calls us to Himself on an individual, one-to-one basis. One night at the Fort Gibson Free Will Baptist Church, Tom Ballard preached the Gospel, and God, through the Holy Spirit, reached out and said, Stacy, I'm calling you now. He reached out to me as an individual. To be sure, the gospel call was whosoever will. But it was more personal than that. It was more individualized than that. He called me out by name. But God doesn't holler and say, hey, you come here and hope someone will answer. Instead, it is on an individual one by one basis. And, and, and really, this is on everything. Right? Not just the call to salvation. But if there's ever been a time where the Word or the Spirit and the sermon spoke to our hearts and challenged us or encouraged us, that wasn't just a general, well, that was good and God is good and it's helpful. It was God through the Holy Spirit taking the Word and saying this, notice this, listen to this, change in this way, be encouraged because of this. It is God dealing with us out of an individual basis. How awesome is it? To know our God deals with us on a one-to-one basis. So going back to salvation, you and I, we were saved because God specifically chose us 
And then he specifically called us to come and be saved. God made the initiative. And he came and he made first contact with us. He opened our hearts so we could understand the gospel. He chose to convict us of our sin, of the coming judgment and our lack of righteousness. God chose to draw us to Jesus. God chose even to grant us repentance unto life. And when we responded in faith and repentance and turned to Jesus Christ and called upon him, God chose to save us, to adopt us and make us a new creation. And all of this brought God great pleasure. And that's that's good news. But there's even better news. Turn over to, to Psalm 139. And we're just going to look at a few verses. We don't have time to look at the whole thing, but Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me, Thou hast known me. Thou hast known my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind before Thou hast laid Thy hand upon me such knowledge. It's too wonderful for me. I cannot attain it. Now look at verse 13. Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth it right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. In thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, yet as there were none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great It's the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So a lot goes into this, but here is the key thought for our our time tonight. When God chose us and God called us and God saved us and God adopted us, he did so knowing everything there was to know about us. He knew all of the sins of our past. And all of the things we had ever done up to that moment where he called us. And he called us anyway. But he also knew everything that was to come. There was, there's not all, everything is written. He knows all of our lives. He knows everything that's going to happen. There's, there are things that are going to happen in 2021. We have no clue. Decisions we're going to make, ways we're going to respond, but God knows. And even if that stuff is bad, even if we are going to respond in ungodly ways to people, even if we are going to make selfish and horrible decisions next year, God knew that and he still, he still chose us. He still called us. He did this with a perfect knowledge of our past, our present and our future. Have you ever bought something and then had buyer's remorse? You buy it thinking it's going to be awesome. And then when you get it out of the package or it comes in, it is not nearly as awesome as you imagined it would be. And you think, I wish I had not spent that money. The great thing about God, he does not have buyer's remorse regarding us. He doesn't look at us now. Or at some point in the future, or because of what we've done in the past, and say, 
wish I'd have acted differently in those days. I I shouldn't have jumped the gun on calling them and choosing them and saving them. He knew full well everything we had ever done, everything we would ever do in the future. He knew the struggles we would face, the ones we would overcome, and the ones which would overcome us. Nothing we have done, nothing we will do was not fully known by God at the time He called us, He chose us, He saved us, and He adopted us. And since God has absolute knowledge about us, and He chose us, and He saved us, and He adopted us, let me go back to what Paul said to the Thessalonians, He's not going to give up on us. The work He began, He is going to bring to completion. He he said it to the Philippians in this way, being confident of this very thing, that He hath began a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. To me, this is, I think, an amazing thought. Because if if God was like me, I would have given up on me. I, I mean, the number of times I've blown it is... It's boggling to my mind. And yet God knew that. It's not like He's saddled with it. Well, Stacy did that, but i got to keep it. <laughs> nope, He knew. He knew full well in advance what He was getting when He bought me and He called me and He saved me. And there has never been a moment when He regretted that decision. There has never been a moment when, when that decision did not, was not a part of the good pleasure of His will. So if we are believers, we have repented of our sin, we have believed in Jesus Christ, we are disciples of Jesus. We have to settle it in our mind. God chose us. God called us. God saved us. God adopted us. And God wants to bring us into the glories of heaven. Then we need to let this truth be something that strengthens us, encourages us, and holds us firm when we are tempted to feel defeated, discouraged or disillusioned. Now there's one last thing. Turn back to Psalm 135. Look at verse 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased that He did in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in all the deep places. God can do anything He wants to do and no one can stop Him. What did God want to do? God wanted to choose us. God wanted to call us. God wanted to save us. God wanted to adopt us as His very own. The key truth to remember when we're tempted to be defeated or discouraged or disillusioned, God chose to choose us, call us, Save us and adopt us. God chose to choose us. That, To me, that is an amazing thing. How encouraging to know God chose to choose me. He didn't have to. He could have done anything in the world He wanted to do, but He chose to choose me and He chose to choose you. And in doing so, this brought Him great pleasure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Father, we need you to take this word and to strengthen us with it, to draw us ever closer to you.
Help us to understand how secure we are in your grasp. Help us to understand how great it is that you look down from heaven. You saw us in, in all of our mess. And you chose to choose us. You chose to call us. You chose to save us. You chose to adopt us. Let this encourage us. Let this strengthen us. Let this draw us ever closer to you. And let this make us bold in our service and our devotion to you. Because you chose to choose us. We ask in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.